Blog Talk Radio. To all my people in the struggle, you think God's forgotten about you. Here's some pain medicine. Let's go! your car, you at the house, on your job, be encouraged, boo, come on! journey with Christ, you tend to forget a lot of things. And then when you're made to remember, you realize how far you've come, how much you've changed, and how God has always been faithful. He's always been there, even when we don't think he is. He doesn't refute his word. He stands by his word. We may move. We may not believe, but God is ever so faithful. So before I begin reading the two chapters today, I just want to go before the Father. Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for revisiting the books you had me write, not only for myself, but for others that you're going to draw to this program for various reasons. They're going to be drawn by your spirit. Father, I thank you for the airways that that you allowed me to come and speak over I thank you, Father, for this time. Holy Spirit, have your way. Go out to all the world with this broadcast and the other subsequent broadcast, because this is the will of the Father. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we give you all the praise. Amen. Okay, today's chapter is Refuge. The Lord saves the godly. He is their salvation and their refuge when trouble comes. Because they trust in him, he helps them and delivers them from the plots of evil men. Psalm 37, 39 through 40, the Living Bible. October 17, 1991, the headlines of our local newspaper read, Police charged three young males with carrying a concealed weapon. On the front page was a picture of three teenagers, all with their hands behind them in handcuffs, sitting on the ground with a police officer towering over them. I remember looking at that picture and saying to myself, this could have been my son, Daryl. My oldest son and I had recently, my, excuse me, my oldest son had recently started to hang around a group of friends whom I felt were a bad influence on his life. 
<coughs> Excuse me. Daryl had always wanted to do things his way, and at the age of 17, he was even more rebellious and hard to control. I thought to myself, if he doesn't change his friends soon, then he could wind up in this very type of predicament. Eric was Daryl's best friend in the neighborhood. I had gone to work when Susan, Eric's mom, called me. She said, did you see the picture of Daryl in the newspaper? What picture? My mind went back to today's front page. I knew exactly what picture she was meaning. It was the one and the same. Daryl was one of the teenagers I saw on the front page. Another sucker punch. I was angry, frightened, and helpless. I had to find out why Daryl had been arrested and how it was that I didn't even know anything about it. I went home and confronted Daryl. After a few heated verbal exchanges, I got him to tell me the truth. Daryl told me that he had been riding in a car with these other boys when the police officers had pulled them over. They made them get out of the car and sit on the curb. He told me that they went back to the car, and when they came back to the young men, they said they had found a gun under Daryl's feet. Oh, no, Daryl. It's not true, Mommy. He didn't find it under my feet. I didn't have a gun. I'm telling you the truth. He yelled angrily and frightened at the same time. He broke down crying. I know my son. He would never allow me to see him vulnerable like that except when he was telling the truth. Even when he was young and I spanked him, he would not cry. I knew this was coming from a place he wasn't even familiar with, and I knew he was not lying. The court had appointed a lawyer, Mr. Banks, to represent Daryl on his case. When we visited his office, he related to me the officer's story and how it contradicted Daryl's story. I'm advising you that Daryl should plead guilty. I've seen these types of cases before, and whatever the officer says normally always stands in court, he stated definitively. Daryl's not pleading guilty, I told him. He looked at me as if I grew three three heads. Uh, Mrs. Armstrong, you must understand, here are some of the consequences of not taking the guilty plea, he tried to explain. For example, if found guilty, Daryl will get a greater sentence in juvenile detention than by admitting him guilty, he's guilty beforehand. I had a heart-to-heart talk with Daryl and asked him to be totally honest with me. And he said he didn't have a gun, and the gun was definitely not under his feet. We are not pleading guilty, and that's it. In the car ride home, I took the time to explain to Daryl why I said what I said in the lawyer's office. Daryl, God's word says the truth will make you free. And if you're telling me the truth, then God will make you free. Two months passed, and now it's time to go to court. Daryl and his friend who was in the car, too, had the same court date, so we rode together to court. As we walked in the courthouse, our attorney met us. He told us he had a meeting with the prosecuting attorney and that they wanted to make a deal. If Daryl were to admit to being guilty, then he would not have a long sentence in juvenile detention, he said. He asked me to change my mind because he felt that we couldn't win after his talk with the prosecutor. I know. I know what you're saying, but I have to believe what God says in his word 
And that is the truth will make you free. And I'm standing on what God says, not man. He shook his head in disbelief and said, let's go in then. I knew what he was thinking. This crazy woman who actually believes in the Bible is sending her son to juvenile detention for sure. Daryl and his friend Greg took their seats in the defendant section. I sat right behind them. The judge, a woman known for her strict application of the law, came into the courtroom. The prosecution began to reveal the details of the day. Eventually, he called one of the arresting officers to the stand. He asked the police officer to give the events leading to the arrest of Daryl and his friend. The officer painstakingly gave the details of the make and model of the car, the people inside, what was going on, and then the description of the gun, as well as other details. When it came time to pinpoint the recipient of the gun, the judge asked the police officer, where did you find the gun? Not flinching with his reply, the officer said, under Mr. Case's feet. Daryl's last name is Case's. That is the name of my first husband. He doesn't remember him much because we separated and later divorced before he was three. This has pained him throughout his life, not having his father in his life. So here I was being reminded of my divorce once again with my oldest son in deep trouble. Daryl looked back at me frightened. He wanted to speak to me, but I just shook my head to indicate that he shouldn't say anything. I raised my right hand up as if to say, don't give up. God will come through. Jesus, Jesus. I cried out of my mind and said it in my breath. I'm shocked. What is this God? You said that the truth will make you free. Fear gripped my heart. Yet deep down inside, I knew that it was not over. Not yet. God was going to turn this situation around, and I didn't know how, but I believed his word, and I clung to it that day. I must admit that I've never been so fearful and yet so faith-filled at the same time. It was as if I was clinging on for dear life, for indeed I was. I was holding on with all my strength. The young men's fates were sealed. The quiet murmuring of the audience was heard in the courtroom. But then, unexpectedly, the judge inquired of the officer who had given the testimony against Daryl and his friend. Where is the other officer? Uh, He's on duty, Your Honor. The prosecuting attorney stepped in and replied to the question. She turned her attention from the prosecuting attorney to the officer. Go find him and have him appear before me. We will have a 30-minute recess. Banging the gavel, she got up and walked out of the courtroom to her chambers. When court convened again, the other officer was given the witness chair to share his rendition of what happened. He basically said everything the other officer said, and then he was asked, was the gun found under Mr. Case's feet? No, he answered. (sighs) Gasps were heard throughout the courtroom. Oh, my God, thank you, Jesus. I said enough for others to hear, but not as loud as I want to say it. I looked around the courtroom grinning. God was presiding over this courtroom. The judge was silent. I could tell she was angry. It was clear the other officer had lied under oath. She first had to get us out of there before she dealt with them. Rise, Mr. Cases and Mr. Johnson, the judge ordered. Based on what just happened in my courtroom and the testimony of the second officer, 
all charges are dropped. Daryl and Greg came over to me, and I hugged them both. When we got out of the courtroom, our attorney was so dumbfounded with what he had just witnessed that he could hardly look at me. This faith-filled mother had told him all along that God would rescue her son, and now this rescue effort had manifested right before his eyes. I must admit, Daryl and his friend were amazed also. I pulled them aside and told them both that they were to thank God for setting them free. I also told my son that from now on, he would have to go to his Heavenly Father on his own. He had witnessed God's miraculous power for himself, and he was telling him now that he needed to come to him and give control of his life. Daryl had accepted the Lord when he was about 12, but he had forgotten Jesus. Clearly, Jesus hadn't forgotten him. Jesus died for all our sins, and he has risen from the grave. He sits on the right hand of our Heavenly Father and pleads our case to him. Jesus is our defense attorney, and Satan is the accuser. For the accuser of our brothers who accused them before our God day and night. Revelation 12:10. Rebirth. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. John 3, 6-7 Robert and I went to church as usual. It was like any other Sunday morning, except this was on New Year's Eve day. The pastor was preaching about Jesus and asked for those who didn't know Jesus uh, but wanted to have him as their Savior to stand up. Robert stood up and had his gaze fixed forward. I tapped him on the shoulder and asked, Why are you standing, Robert? Jesus told me, he said matter-of-factly, I knew that he had made the most important decision of his life. He was listening to the voice of the Lord. That evening, my seven-year-old Robert gave his heart to the Lord. How easy it is for children to listen to the voice of the Lord. That afternoon, Robert came bursting through the door after being on the playground all day. I was in the kitchen. Mom, Mom, he said excitedly about almost being out of breath from running up the steps to our apartment building. Mom, I got two today. Two what, Robert? Two people. I got two people going to heaven, he responded. He then opened the refrigerator, got out a can of soda, and was heading toward the door to go back out. Wait a minute, Robert. What are you talking about? He was taking a gulp of pop as he opened the door. I was playing on the playground. I was telling kids about Jesus, and I asked the kids there, do you want to go to heaven or hell? So two of them said they want to go to heaven. See you later, Mom. I stood there amazed at his boldness to proclaim the truth of the gospel. Robert didn't know how to temper his words and make the gospel more palatable like most of us adults. He just gave the straight truth. Although just a boy, he spoke like a man of God saying, where do you want to go, heaven or hell? All right, everyone, God bless you. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back tomorrow with two more chapters on my book, Be Made Whole. Have a blessed day. To all my people in the struggle, you think God's forgotten about you. Here's some pain medicine. Let's go.
in your car, you at the house, on your job, be encouraged, boo. Come on. Let's go now. In the front now. In the back now. Let's go now. Ladies. 